We began our study of Romans last week in Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. The theme or the tagline for our series is living out the gospel. Today, we are reading from Romans chapter 1, verses 7 through 17. Romans chapter 1, verses 7 through 17. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his Son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last, by God's will, the way may be opened for me to come to you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles. I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Last week as we began our study of Romans, I said that the central theme of this book, this letter of Paul to the believers in Rome, is the gospel. More specifically, Romans is all about how we as believers in the Lord Jesus can live out the gospel. And you'll notice that the word gospel, or the gospel message of God's eternal plan of redemption and restoration, shows up repeatedly through the book. In verses 1, in, in chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, what we just read here, Paul states that he's not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone. Jews or Gentiles bring salvation to everyone who believes. He then connects the gospel to righteousness, which connects to faith, and then makes a reference to Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, that the righteous will live by faith. In the coming weeks, we're going to spend more time on these topics of righteousness, faith, justification. All critical aspects of the full gospel message. But for now, I want to summarize those statements, those, what, what Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because, and I'm not, this is the righteousness of God. I want to summarize those, the impact of those verses right now by saying that it's the gospel that underlies, it is the gospel that undergirds everything that Paul says and does. It is 
the gospel that underlies everything that the Bible says from beginning to end. The gospel message, the idea that there was a plan of God, even before creation, to restore sinful men to himself. And in that reconciliation, and that process of sanctification, of being made like him, one day we will be with him for all eternity. That is the plan of God. And so that's the gospel message that continues to be there and to be our theme. In Romans chapter 1 verses 7 through 17, because of the gospel though, Paul is greeting these believers in Rome and right at that beginning, right in this opening chapter here, he talks about how we can be mutually encouraging. Now he returns to this topic in multiple passages in the book, so we'll come back to this, we'll see it here and there again, where he keeps talking about how we should deal with one another. So he's speaking to saints, he's saying, what is saintly behavior? Saintly behavior is that we would be mutually encouraging. But this morning, I want to look at four topics, or four points, pardon me, about this topic of encouragement. Very quickly, we'll go through these, these points. And the first one is this, encouragement must be mutual. When the sermon title is mutual encouragement, it may seem redundant to say that encouragement must be mutual. And you're going, ah, oh, that's, uh, okay. But here, here, here's why. I feel that I must state and we need to remember or we need to be clear and I must state why this point needs to be lived out consistently or how we need to live out this point consistently. We tend to think of encouragement, particularly spiritual encouragement, as something that apostles, pastors and teachers need to do. That's their job, isn't it? They should get up and they should encourage. They should be speaking a good word. When I leave from church, I should feel happy because of what has been said. But notice what Paul says in verse 12. He doesn't say that he, the mighty apostle and the awesome man of faith, he's going to come to encourage his spiritually dispirited brothers and sisters. You guys are all languishing, you're depressed. I'm going to come and I'm going to encourage you. He doesn't say that. He says... I am looking forward to being mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I want to come there so that you can encourage me. And this is an important context to keep in mind as we go through the rest of Romans. Remember this. That this tone of mutual encouragement, of mutual benefit of considering the believers in Rome as equals, that is Paul's tone when he's communicating. So when you start reading these things in, in the book of Romans and you come across a phrase that you say, oh, he sounds a little hard. He sounds a little, you know, strict. It is with this tone. It is with the love, compassion, and care that he's already demonstrated that we've studied in the book of Acts. But it is with this tone where he says, hey, you and I, we're mutually involved in this. And I want to encourage you, but I need your encouragement too. And so the point that I want to make to you is that as children of God, each one of us equally, equally valued and blessed by the Lord, we are called to encourage each other as brothers and sisters who have something of worth to share with each other. 
You don't say, well, they have this, they have that, they can talk, they can preach, they can pray, they can sing, I don't have anything. No. You, as a brother and a sister in the Lord, you have something of worth, something of value to share with someone else in the body of Christ. In fact, as we have learned, the Lord's purpose is to bless and gift each one of us so that our specific contributions in the body of Christ are beneficial for all the members of the body. All the members of the body will benefit. When you will do your part, when you will be led by the Lord to be obedient to Him and to bless someone else, you're going to bless the whole body of Christ. So you play a very important part. So Paul says we want to be mutually encouraging one another. Which brings us to this very important point. Encouragement must be given. So, you know, we sort of assume that when I say, oh, mutually encouraging, we should be encouraging, we say, oh, okay, I get it, you know, encouragement must be given. But each one of us have to be very intentional and deliberate in encouraging others. It's much, much easier to criticize and find fault than to encourage, right? You know this in your homes. You know this in the workplace. You know this, you know, in all the different circumstances of life. It's much easier, much easier to say, not good enough, you know, not right, do better. It's much more difficult. It doesn't come naturally to us to encourage. And so we have to be intentional. We have to be deliberate. We have to make an effort. We have to say, oh God, oh, I don't want to be encouraging right now, but help me. Grant me grace. Grant me grace to be encouraging. Well, that means that we have to care for the other person and be sensitive to their needs. We have to say, look, let me, let me not just be thinking of what I'm thinking, but let me encourage and build up. Throughout his letters, Paul is specific and lavish with his acknowledgement and encouragement of others. Uh, he, he calls out what needs to be called out. He tells, he speaks of when things are not right. He says, this is not good. You know, you have done these things or you're, you're committing sin. He'll call that out. But he is also constantly commending others and encouraging them to press on, to persevere, to grow, to exercise their gifts, to build each other up, as he does in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, where it says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. That's his constant refrain. And so we need to be people who are encouragers. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 13 says, Encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hindered by sin's deceitfulness. When we're not encouraged, when we're depressed, when we're given up, when we don't think that things are going well, when we don't have hope, the enemy can come in with all sorts of deception. You're not worth it. What you're doing is not right. God doesn't love you. Your brothers and sisters don't care about you. And the deceitfulness of sin can come in. But when we are encouraged, when we are speaking an encouraging word to one another, somewhere, somehow, we're able to say, oh, wait a minute, I'm paying attention to the devil's voice, to accusations, 
to things that will come to divide. Instead, let me receive the promises of God. Let me receive the truth of God. Let me receive this word of encouragement from this brother, from this sister. And let me give this word of encouragement. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 24 through 25 says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You think the, these are the last days? You think the world is getting worse? You think that sin is abounding and oh Jesus come back soon? Guess what? One of the things you should be doing if you're preparing for his second coming and you think it's imminent, you should be encouraging people more. You should be encouraging your brothers and sisters all the more as you see the day approaching. We're looking out for our brothers and sisters. We don't want them to miss what the Lord has for them. We encourage them to remain free of sin. Now let me make an important point about how we give encouragement. Encouraging our brothers and sisters is not restricted to sharing some deep spiritual truth. Exhortation. Let me tell you what Romans 16.3 really means. Right? I don't know what Romans 16.3 is, but it's, it's a greeting to the people that are in Rome. But, you know, it's not about sharing a deep spiritual truth. It's not just about that. It's not about performing some clear spiritual task. Encouragement may be as simple as having a meal with someone. Encouragement may be going for a walk in the park, playing a game together, sharing a song. This song really blessed me here. I want to share this with you. Going to a movie, asking them how they're doing, appreciating them, thanking them, just smiling at them. You don't have to struggle to come up with ways to encourage someone. Ask the Holy Spirit and you'll find plenty of ways to support or give confidence or come alongside someone or give hope to someone. It's not that difficult. We are hesitant to do it for all sorts of reasons. And that's why just as much as we're directed to give encouragement, we must also receive encouragement. Encouragement must be given, but encouragement must be received. And you may not have received much encouragement when you were growing up. Maybe your parents were very critical, harsh, judgmental. Maybe the people around you were not very encouraging. Maybe all your life you've gone through where you haven't had very much encouragement to keep doing what you're doing, to keep pushing, to keep persevering. Maybe you've taken three steps and two of those steps were not that great. But no one encouraged you about the one step. And so you feel discouraged. Now when somebody tries to encourage you, you say, ah, you are not used to receiving and you find it difficult to receive an encouraging word because of past wounds, because of present hurts. And they keep you from giving and receiving encouragement. I want to encourage you that when someone commends you, when someone encourages you, don't deflect it. Don't be self-deprecating or having false humility. Oh, you know, just push it away. 
Don't diminish it. Don't minimize it. Don't just say, no, 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 it was nothing. Accept their encouragement. I'm not asking you to become proud. I am confident that if you are in the Lord and you are receiving encouragement in the Lord, you won't become puffed up. Right? But when you receive encouragement, accept it. Be refreshed by it. Be strengthened by it. And here's, this, here's how giving encouragement and receiving encouragement are connected together. In Luke chapter 6, when we went through Luke chapter 6, you may remember this verse. Luke chapter 6 verse 38, right after Jesus told the people not to judge so that you will not be judged, not to condemn so that you're not being condemned, and to forgive so that you may be forgiven. Right after saying all of that, he says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And we talk, often use this verse and talk about giving financially or giving you know, of our material resources. But I want to use this verse this morning to say give encouragement. Give encouragement. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over. If we're all people walking around with running over encouragement... I think we'll look very different. Most of the time we're running over with all sorts of other things and more discouragement than encouragement. But if we will give, we will give and it will come back to you. So we want to give encouragement. We want to learn what helps and motivates others, our brothers and our sisters. And we want to continue to do what is right and helpful. But in what Paul says, I want you to understand, I want you to realize, I want you to pay attention to the fact that his encouragement is tied to faith, it's tied to prayer, it's tied to spiritual gifts, and it's tied to spiritual fruit. And he says, I am so glad for you. I'm so glad for your faith that's being spoken of all over the world. All over the known world, people are speaking about the faith of these believers in Rome. And there is no history that shows us that the apostles went there and established a church. The only indication we can sort of surmise is that Jewish people from Rome who were at Pentecost, who were in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, because the Bible says that there were gathered there Jews from Rome, it is very, very possible that some of those people got saved, came to know of Jesus. And on that day of Pentecost, in Jerusalem, they became believers, and they went back to Rome and told others about Jesus. Because we don't have any other record of the apostles and all of the missionaries and evangelists and others, like Philip and others. We don't have a record of them going to Rome. In fact, Paul says, I've been longing to come and see you guys for a long time. But he says to them, oh, I've heard the whole world has heard of your faith. Oh, when you see faith in people, when you want to encourage faith in people, give them a word of encouragement. Tell them to keep persevering. Tell them to keep going on. Maybe they're having a little faith. Encourage it so that it grows to more faith and more faith. And they go from faith to faith. But encourage them. That's what Paul's doing. He says, I've heard about your faith. Oh, keep going. 
Keep moving in this faith. And he says, oh, and I am praying for you. I am praying for you constantly. I'm praying for you constantly. Isn't that encouraging? When you know that somebody's praying for you? Isn't that a word of encouragement that we can give to somebody else and say, oh, I'm praying for you. This morning I was reminded of you. I wanted to send you a little note, you know, to say I'm praying for you. We as a church are praying for you. Oh, that lifts us up. That lifts us up. And when we have these needs, when we have these situations, and people from all over the world, people who we don't even know, they are sending word, or they're putting posts, or they're saying something else, or we hear from someone, and that, that person says, oh, I mentioned this in my church, and my whole church is praying for you. We've never, we've never even met these people. But it lifts us up, it encourages us, and we say, oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God, that I can pray for somebody, and they can pray for me, and we can encourage each other in prayer, in faith. And we want to encourage each other in the spiritual gifts. In the gift that I have received, that I may minister and serve, and give of that gift to you. And in the gift that you have, that you would minister and serve and give that gift to me. That we would give those gifts to each other and therefore encourage one another. Paul says, I am coming to you, I am longing to come to you so that I may impart a spiritual gift to you. It doesn't, he doesn't go into more detail, he doesn't say specifically what it is. But you can be sure that he's intentional about this. It's not accidental, it's not coincidental. He doesn't just show up and then he's about to leave it. Oh, by the way, oh, I gave you that gift. Oh, great, that's great, enjoy it. No, it's not like that. He's saying, I want to come there with this intention of sharing this gift with you, of blessing you, of encouraging you. We need to do the same. You're getting up to sing on a Sunday morning. Oh, that's a gift. You're playing an instrument. You're doing something else. You may be just preparing the, the bread for the communion. You may be doing, you know, you may be cleaning up, doing, you're doing, you are giving your gift to say, I want to intentionally do this. I want to intentionally share this for the benefit of my brother, for my sister. They may not even know it directly, but I want to do this so that they may be encouraged, so that they may be blessed. And then, Paul says, oh, I, I'm so glad. I'm, I'm, I'm just wanting to be with you because I hear of what the fruit is in your life, or I, I'm eager to see that there is a harvest amongst you, a harvest of people who will come to know and believe in the Lord Jesus, a harvest of souls, spiritual fruit that is born, fruit that is born in our lives individually, and fruit that is born in our church collectively. We're going to be praying and moving and acting in the next half of this year, the second half of this year, we're right at the midpoint here. We're going to be praying for the Lord to touch the community around us, people that we are connected with. We're going to pray for outreach and evangelism and things of that nature. But we're praying for fruit, fruit that lasts, fruit that is abundant, fruit that is of God, not according to our thinking. And so these are the ways in which Paul says, I want to encourage you. I want to build you up. There are so many other ways in which we can encourage others. There are many other things that we can say to one another. I want to encourage you in loving God, loving people, making disciples in the mission of our church. But those things all are interconnected. They are inextricably linked. 
to walking in faith, praying without ceasing, desiring and exercising the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and bearing the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so this morning, I want to encourage you that you respond and apply this word of God by encouraging others in the Lord. I want to encourage you that you respond and apply what you're hearing this morning by encouraging others in the Lord. Now we saw in the book of Acts that Barnabas was called the son of encouragement. I mean, if you want to get a title like that, you know, I, I mean, he must have been pretty good at encouraging people. Son of encouragement. Meaning that that's what he did. That's who was, what was characteristic of his life. That's how he was identified. Son of encouragement. Pray. Pray for every church person. Pray for every person in our church, in the body of Christ worldwide. Pray that they would be encouraged. Pray that they will be an encourager. Pray that our church will be an encouraging place for everyone. Those that would come once, they should be encouraged. Those that are here frequently, they should be encouraged. Those that are members of the church and are here every time, Engaged in all the activities, participating. They need to be encouraged every time. So we want to pray that this will be our reality. And I want to remind you, and I want you to remember this topic of encouragement all the, all the way till we get to Romans 15, many, many months from now. When we get to Romans 15, verse 5, it says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. The God of encouragement will give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had. What mind did Christ Jesus have? What mind do we pray for when we say we want to have the mind of Christ? Well, this week in particular, I'm telling you that one of those clear aspects of the mind of Christ was to encourage others. We want to do everything that we can to build up the body of Christ. So this week, look for an opportunity. Be intentional. If you're not used to it, it'll be tough. Even if you're used to it, it may not be easy to find it. Just, you know, unless you're being intentional. But I want to encourage you this week. Look for an opportunity to encourage your spouse. Look for an opportunity to encourage your children. Look for an opportunity to encourage your parents. Children, you may say to your parents, you are doing the best job. You are being the best dad you could possibly be. Encourage. Speak a word of encouragement. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that, Lord, the mind of Christ and the very, Lord, description of God is that he's a God of encouragement. We thank you, Lord, that Paul begins his letter to the Romans with this encouragement. And we thank you, Lord, that he says it's not just for a select few to do it and for a majority to receive it, but, Lord, it is for each one of us to be mutually encouraging each other to stand and to say oh 
I, I, I am so glad for the work of the Lord in your life. I am so glad for you personally. I so appreciate you. And I want to encourage you to keep going. To keep looking to the Lord Jesus. To let the Lord Jesus who has been the author of your faith be the finisher of your faith. Lord God, help us to be people who like Barnabas can be identified as sons and daughters of encouragement. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.